G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. When the storms in life strike, as they inevitably do, it feels as though we're caught in a small boat out on some stormy ocean. At that point, what we really need is some solid ground beneath our feet. And fortunately, God knows that only too well. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and thanks so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're kicking off a brand new series of messages called On Solid Ground because frankly, those storms do strike. So let's head into God's Word and please do stay tuned because in just a few minutes I'll be telling you about our latest life application booklet. It too is called On Solid Ground. I'd love to send you a free copy to help you live in the victory that Jesus died and rose again to give you. You know, you can always tell when we're starting a new series, I'm excited. I love to get onto a new series in God's Word, and that's what we're doing today. We're starting a series called On Solid Ground, to listen to what God has to say into one of the central dilemmas of our lives. And that dilemma is this, dealing with the storms of life. I remember when I was a young boy, I was about four or five years old, my mother and my sister and I sailed in a ship from Australia to Europe. Now is a four-week sail through the Suez Canal and back again. It's a long way. And I remember, even to this day, there were some huge storms along the way. I remember they had ropes in the corridors on the ship to hang on to. I've never forgotten those storms. And remember, this was a large cruise ship, and yet it seemed to get tossed around in those storms. I, I was seasick. I was very afraid as a young kid, even though I was in this big cruise liner. I remember going out onto the deck and seeing the huge waves and the winds, and the ship was pitching around in this fearsome ocean. And for me, there is nothing as frightening as an angry sea and a violent storm. The ground, as it were, moving under your feet. For some people, life seems to be a constant storm. The ground under their feet is never solid. There's always some fear and some uncertainty, and, and they can never quite figure out why. What, what's going on? Why is my life always like this? Now, many of these people believe in God, and yet life seems to be one endless storm. What we really want to have is is solid ground under our feet. When you're in a storm, the question is, how? That's what we're going to be exploring in this series called On Solid Ground, starting right here and right now. Now, if you have a Bible, I'd like you to grab it, because we're going to be spending most of our time in the first eight chapters of a book called First Samuel in the Old Testament. We're going to discover the truth that we kind of know, or we should know, and yet it gets lost in the world that we live in. See, this is, this is a me-centered world where so often we find ourselves going to God, asking him for things for me, for me, for me, and little by little, instead of God being God, 
we expect him to start being like a performing dog, to do tricks on our command. It may seem harsh, but you get God the wrong way around, and it spells dog. Am I expecting God to start dancing to my tune, or am I dancing to his? It's a good question. That's what we're going to be exploring in this story, and it begins in a storm. It's a story about a woman called Hannah, and it turns out that she is going through some incredibly tough times in her life. But she, she has the creator-creature relationship the right way up. Open your Bible. Let's go to 1 Samuel. It's the ninth book of the Old Testament. It's kind of just over a third, between a third and a half way in. We're going to start at the first verse of the first chapter of 1 Samuel. There was a certain man from Ramathim, a Zuphite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah, and the other Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year this man went up from his town to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were the priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and wouldn't eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Pretty tough. Anybody who's ever gone childless or, or had someone in their family who's gone childless will know the incredible pain of a couple who would like to have a child and, and yet they can't conceive. Can you imagine this going on year after year after year and in between these annual trips as well? And of course there were two wives. Now, the Bible doesn't talk about the fact that there are two wives. Obviously the author doesn't feel a need to comment. Praise God, that's gone away. But nevertheless, poor old Hannah had a pretty tough time, a real storm year after year, the pain of being childless, and she had lots of choices in that space. She, she could have been angry, she could have lashed out, she could have withdrawn. And her husband's pretty useless. Typical male, what's the matter? Why are you crying? You've got me. So what does Hannah do? Let's look at First Samuel chapter 1, beginning at verse 9. Once they'd finished eating and drinking at Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In the bitterness of her soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord, and she made a vow, saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me, and don't forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk, and said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I haven't been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Don't take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here about the great anguish and grief that I have. And Eli answered, 
Go in peace. May God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. She said, May your servant find favour in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Turns out, she does have a son, calls him Samuel, gives him over to God as soon as he's weaned, and he comes and serves as a priest in this temple under Eli, whom we discover later is one bad dude. He's the priest, he's supposed to be the go-between between God and his people, and yet he and his sons have no respect for God. We'll look at them later, and also we'll see Samuel's fate. The start of the program, I talked about this me, me, me thing, always asking God for stuff, kind of turning things the wrong way around. Instead of us being made in God's image, we try and remake him in ours. And yet here is this story, this story that begins in a storm, this story that begins with Hannah in a storm, and she's asking God for something. Do you notice she doesn't lash out or or whine or complain? She humbles herself before God and asks her sovereign God, pours her heart out to him. Eli, this scoundrel, with about as much spiritual insight as my pet cat, thinks she's drunk and and feeds her with platitudes. May the Lord give you what you asked for. Yet here is a simple woman at the bottom of the heap, pouring her heart out to her God. And notice what it says after she does that in verse 18 of chapter 1. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. See, Hannah's feet were on solid ground. Even before her prayer is answered, a seemingly impossible prayer. You know what that tells me? She trusted her God. No matter what his answer would be, she trusted him. She let it go. She stopped worrying. And God answered her prayer. I'm not saying let's all be like Hannah. We're clearly not. Our storms are different to hers. But what we discover in this story is that when we put God in his rightful place, God, he honours that. We're going to have a look at her understanding of her God again in a moment. I'm Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. I just want to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. Believing in Jesus, believing that one day you'll have the gift of eternal life, well, that's one thing. But actually living your life as though that's true, living in the victory that he died and rose again to give you, well, that's a whole other thing. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet. It's called On Solid Ground. It's full of life-changing, practical Bible teaching to help you actually live every moment of the rest of your life in the victory that Jesus died and rose again to bring to you. In fact, at the end of each chapter, you'll find a series of life application questions to help you think through and apply God's Word right into the realities of your life. To request your copy, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415, and we'll send your free booklet straight out to you in the post. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com, or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. All right, let's head back now into God's Word. What 
comes next in this story is Hannah's prayer of thanksgiving. She's, she's in this storm. She asks God for the impossible. She's got the taunts of, of the other wife. And she comes to God in a prayer of humility, pouring out her soul. And God answers her with a son. And she gives that son back to God for the rest of his life. Now listen to what she prays and how she rejoices. We're now at chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, beginning at verse 1. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of warriors are broken, but those who stumble are armed with strength. And this prayer goes on and on. Read it for yourself in 1 Samuel chapter 2. And you know, you know what it's all about? The power and the sovereignty of God. It's about a Hannah who went to God with this in her heart. God is above all things. Not, not this attitude of let's re- reform God in my image. Let's turn him into a performing poodle. You know how I know that? Because when she poured out her heart to God, she offered her son back to him and she honoured that promise when God delivered her son. There's a challenge there for each one of us about how we go to God, how we see him as, as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords or some puppy dog that performs tricks on our command. Come on. And how can we tell the difference? See, this is a very hard thing to discern sometimes. How can we tell the difference between a right and a wrong attitude towards God? Let's go back to his word, and we'll see what a wrong attitude looks like when we look at the priest, Eli, and his sons. Join me in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 11. Remember, Eli was the priest that was at the temple when Hannah went to pray. Eli's sons were wicked men. They had no regard for the Lord. Now, it was the practice of the priests with the people that whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, and while the meat was being boiled... The servant of the priest would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand. He would plunge it into the pan or the kettle or the cauldron or the pot, and the priest would take for himself whatever the fork brought up. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. But even before the fat was burned, the servants of the priest would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give the priest some meat to roast. He won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. If the man said to him, let the fat be burned up first and then take whatever you want, the servant would answer, no, hand it over now. If you don't, I'll take it by force. So this sin of the young men, the young priest, was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offerings with contempt. You see the way we tell the difference about our heart attitude towards God? It's through how we behave. Hannah could have complained. Hannah could have fought back. Hannah could have acted up badly. She could have lashed out at her husband. She could have grumbled at the other wife. And yet in her pain, who could have blamed her? She could have shaken her fists at God and instead she went to him with her mission impossible, poured out her heart to God and trusted him because he's God and then she had peace. He honoured that. Here's an amazing truth. It's one of those pivotal passages in the Bible that tells us a huge amount about why, when we have a wrong heart towards God, things go badly in our lives. Listen to 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. This is a verse that's worth writing down. God says, For those who honour me, I will honour, and those who despise me shall be treated with contempt. 
And what we read in the remainder of chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, starting at verse 27, is that God deals with Eli and his two sons, and he sends a prophet to Eli, and this is what happens. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 27. Now a man of God came to Eli and said to him, This is what the Lord says. Did I not clearly reveal myself to your father's house when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your father out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar to burn my incense, to wear an ephod in my presence. I also gave your father's house all the offerings made with fire by the Israelites. So why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I prescribe for my dwelling? Why, why do you honour your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel? Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promised that your house and your father's house would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honour me I will honour, but those who despise me I will disdain. The time is coming when I will cut short your strength and the strength of your father's house, so that there will not be an old man in your family, and you will see distress in the dwelling, and good will be done to Israel in your family line. There will never be an old man. Every one of you that I do not cut off from my altar will be spared only to blind your eyes with tears and grieve your heart, and all your descendants will die in the prime of their lives. And what happens to your sons, Hophni and Phinehas, will be assigned to you. They will both die on the same day. And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest, who will do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I will firmly establish his house, and he will minister before my anointed one always. Then everyone left in the family line will come and bow down before him for a piece of silver and a crust of bread and plead, appoint me to some priestly office so I can have food to eat. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. There it is. These priests were in a position of power and authority and responsibility and they, they didn't honour God. In their words and in their deeds, they rejected him. And God dealt with them. Hannah, on the other hand, Well, she was like chalk and cheese compared to Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. Hannah was the lowly of lowly. These priests were on top of the social religious register. But that made no difference to God. I will honour those who honour me, and those who despise me shall be treated with contempt. The priests failed. The word of the Lord was rare. Their job was to tell people what the word of the Lord was, and yet in those days it was rare. You know, if you can't change the people, sometimes you have to change the people. And that's exactly what God does here. Ultimately, young Samuel becomes the priest and the prophet of Israel. He's the one that grows in favour. And we're going to look at his story next week. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw closer to God and live in the victory that Jesus died and rose again to give you. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional with a powerful scripture verse and some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right into the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or, if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. 
To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh e-devotional sign-up right there on the top of the homepage. Or, if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. That's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on one 300 722-415. So go ahead, sign up to receive fresh and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through his word. Okay, so let's head back into God's word and take a look at what was really going on because things aren't always what they seem. Let me ask you something. Who was on solid ground, Hannah, who honoured God, or the priests, Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, who pleased themselves? See, it's so easy to be like Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, but it's hard to be like Hannah. You know why? Because we can't really see God. Not, Not like we can see the physical reality that we're in. Not like we can see our circumstances. Not like we can see the storm and and feel the fear. All those things seem so much more real than this notion of a God that we can't see. A God that we have to put our faith in instead of being able to touch and hear physically. And so this present reality takes over and God has to fit into our present reality. Absolutely, it's easy to be like Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. It's easy to relegate God to to one of the things that has to fit into our present daily agenda. But God is no less real for the fact that we physically can't see him. He's no less powerful for the fact that we interact with him in faith. God is God. And solid ground is the place that Hannah knew. She stood before God. I once heard someone say that peace is trusting in the sovereignty of God. Hannah had that peace. For that very reason, in the eye of her perfect storm, in that place of taunts and disappointments and hurts that she couldn't even utter when she poured out her heart to God, Hannah discovered God's peace through a simple, simple act of faith. So many times over these recent years for me, when the storms have blown in, so many times, and you know, in a sense, Each time I feel so inadequate to deal with those storms. Isn't that the point? When we're on that ship in the ocean, no matter how big the ship is, doesn't matter how strong we are, we're nothing compared to those storms. People come against you. Circumstances, finances, things that really hurt, things of real fear, horrible things that people do, and we feel so inadequate just going and praying about them. Well, what good is that? But you know what that prayer of faith is? That prayer of anguish and pouring out our hearts before the Lord like Hannah did, it's honouring him as the sovereign God. It's saying, God, I may be small of this storm, but this storm is nothing more than a pinprick for you. You're above all things, above all powers, above all dominions and circumstances and storms. And listen again to God's word. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30. God says... I will honour those who honour me, and those who despise me will be treated with contempt. Who had solid ground under their feet? Hannah or Eli, Hophni and Phinehas? Now next week, 
we're going to see how God's contempt was poured out on Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas. Remember that, that prophecy from the man of God saying to Eli, your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are going to die on the same day as a sign to you that there will never be another old man in your line. We're going to see that happen next week. And we're also going to see how God's honour was carried forth for Hannah through Samuel, her son. We haven't talked a lot about him today, but this whole book is named after him, First Samuel. We'll see that next week on the program. God blesses Samuel. God sets him up as the priest and the prophet and the judge over the whole of the nation of Israel. This, this nobody woman, this Hannah, who couldn't have a son, honours her God. And God takes that and changes the course of history. God's blessing to Hannah flowed on down the generations through her son. The question we need to ask ourselves is this. When I look at my life, when you look at your life, do we look like Hannah or Eli? Because that's how I figure out whether I'm someone who honours God. As the King of kings and the Lord of lords, as the sovereign of all things, is this the God I go to to pour my heart out to? Or, Or do I steal his stuff? Is he the God I rejoice in when he answers me? Or the God who I try to kind of fit into my schedule when I can be bothered? That God who I manipulate and massage and mould into whatever I want him to be? Make no mistake. God takes his honour and his glory very, very seriously. He gives them away to no man and to no woman. And as we'll find out in the lives of Eli, Hophni and Phineas. It's a matter of life and death. That's pretty much all we have time for today. But before we go, there's something very important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to live in the victory that Jesus died and rose again to bring them. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give toward the Ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach over 2,500 people with a gospel message. So a gift of, say, $35 can touch over 85,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous, tax-deductible gift of support to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online, by visiting our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or by calling 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, please don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet that I mentioned earlier. It's called On Solid Ground. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. Catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace, and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.